Welcome to the first in a new series of the official Leicester Riders podcast. My name is Joe Pitchin and I'll be your host for this first episode where we were joined with head coach Rob Paternostro. And before we get into the episode, we just want to discuss a little about why we wanted to introduce this podcast to our outputs on a regular basis. I feel we've got some incredible stories around the club from the players, the coaching staff, uh, people around the organisation, the fans, uh, with a lot of stories over the last 50 years of the club's history. So hopefully as this podcast grows and continues, uh, we'll be able to bring you some great insight and some interesting anecdotes from some of the key people around the Riders Club here in Leicester. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Rob was kind enough to share some great stories about his journey so far with the Riders. Um, some really interesting insight about how things have changed for the club um, just in the time that he has been here. So we'll leave you with today's episode, which was actually recorded with Rob back in early December. And Make sure to be subscribing to the podcast on the iTunes store and tweet us with your comments, feedback and who you'd like to see in future episodes of the Riders Podcast at Riders Beeble. So Rob, how's the season going so far? Well, it's um, we're sitting here in, in, in December and um, we haven't lost a, a game since late October and uh, only one league loss and obviously the cup loss but um, overall you know we're sitting there you look at the league table and seven and one uh, I'm really happy with uh, with how we've started it hasn't been been perfect at times uh, but we've done a lot of good things to, to be where we are and um, we have a group that uh, believes in each other and you know I feel like that uh, the best is yet to come and I think that's what is pretty cool about this group is it's it's a young group and it's a group that I think that uh, has a lot of potential and we see that day in and day out in practice but the bottom line is uh, when the lights have come on this year this group has gotten it done and and they got it done early this year too I think Joe you know uh, we went to the Czech Republic early and 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 one over there. Um, you yeah, know, it was, good, it was a good trip for the group. Yeah, and I think that um, they believe they believe in each other, and I think that uh, you know uh, they've been in different situations already playing where um, you know they haven't really got too 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 phased. But it's early still. We're still you know a long way to go in the season, but uh, certainly happy with um, where we're at at the moment. Right, so we get to talk, I guess, on a week by week basis, and I think fans get a pretty decent insight around your thoughts of the game. So. What I really want to do is podcast is kind of, I guess, delve a little deeper and talk a bit about things that, you know, go back a little bit and bounce around a little bit. So I guess to start with, you know, we're playing now in this beautiful arena, one of the, like the only club to have their own space at the moment, you know, Newcastle, Sheffield on the horizon to, to be in a similar place, which is great for the league. But um, I guess go back, like when you first joined the club, like talk about a little about, you know, what that was, you know, it was a while ago now, you've been here and been through a big transition. Um, as, you know, what was the club like? We were playing over at John Sanford. You know, give, paint the picture for the fans of what it was like then. Well, remember I did play for the team too, two years before I I took the coaching role. And that year I, I played for the Riders and I still lived in Birmingham. And um, it was you know, kind of a part-time thing where we would drive up. Uh, Adam Williams and I were living down there, and we'd drive up one or two nights a week to practice. Um, you know, we practiced at at DeMontford, but on that side court uh, where the curtains were 
<laughs> almost in play. Um, so it was it was a little it was a little different back then. Um, but then, you know, before I go into what the, the praxis were like and everything, the 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 great thing about the riders at that point for me was was the people around the club and the fans. And I never really thought about coaching them when I was playing. But I did look at the club as a place where, okay, if, if we can get this ship going in the right direction, the kind of support that this club has, uh, it could make it special. So when I was approached a couple years later to take the, the, the position, uh, I jumped at it because I felt like there was a lot of potential. But yeah, early on, it was totally different, you know. Um, I still kept my teaching job in Birmingham when I got the position. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... I didn't know how it was going to be. You know, I had this teaching position in in Smethwick at Holly Lodge High School uh, in the Birmingham area. So what I would do was I would, we practice at night, so I would teach in Birmingham. So finish Uh, school, jump in the car. Finish school, jump in the car, drive up to um, Charmwood, to Burley at that time, uh, Charmwood Academy in Loughborough, and and practice. We practiced about three, four times a week. We had part-time guys so we had to practice at night there was some guy everybody wasn't part-time but there were some players who kept their job so the only uh you know way we could have a practice with 10 was to be at night and you know sometimes you know we we struggled to find places to practice you know there'd be there'd be weeks where we would practice twice or we'd practice three times a day before a game we didn't have a a a, a place to practice so it was a lot of on-the-fly stuff back then. Just had to roll with it. And yeah, make the best. Of it, yeah, right? um, but you know, taking over the Riders at that point, they were a team that um, you know really lost a lot. You know, when you looked at it, uh, even the year when they won the the two trophies, they finished un- under five hundred. That was my first year as a player when I played for Birmingham. You know, they were under five hundred in the league. So when you took it, you, you knew that if you could get some momentum going, you knew that. Um, people would appreciate it and it's it's always interesting to sit here now and to look back at I remember the first few games when I was coaching and you know we gave it the old college try the old fight where we came up a little bit short and we would lose but after the game people would come up and they'd say good job you almost got it good job almost good effort and you flip it around to now where <laughs> and we've talked about this before where at times you're winning games and um, you know you, you you're not exactly getting the great win, uh, wins a win. You're getting the wins <laughs> a win, <laughs> the wins a win um, comment. So, yeah, it was a, a time where um, uh, it was as a coach you could, you know, you could see that if you got that momentum rolling, you could really, um, you know, really galvanize a fan base that were desperate for some winning. Yeah, it's like totally a little more about that fan base. Yeah, being around for me, uh, the club in the last few years, it, it, it's really interesting to see the loyalty of the fans you know fans that travel up and down the country to watch us play and um yeah been around the club for for a long time and i think it'd be great to actually hear some of their stories as well Mm. um over the years but what's it like to i guess jump into that and and be around those fans on a game by game basis i guess actually get to know some of them as well on a personal level oh yeah uh that's the thing like and i looked at always looked at this club as that type of club where it was a family environment and um we have so many fans that have been around for 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 so many years that um for someone like myself who you know is 
living away from my, you know, my, my family where I grew up and everything. A lot of them have become friends and become uh, like family. And, um, you know, you know that from September to May, you're going to see these people all the time, wherever you go. And they've become friends. And uh, that was what really, you know, drew me uh, to want to coach here and to want to be a part of it is that I saw that dedication for, you know, for a team that really wasn't winning a lot. You know, it's it's all well and good to follow teams when they're just when they're they're winning. Good, right? Yeah, but we but there were so many of them that were so loyal. Whether they're working in the supporters club, whether they're paying their hard-earned money to continue to follow the team, uh, they've they've you know followed us through thick and thin and and. You know, you know them so well now, and you turn around in the crowd, and you're, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, and you see the same people who are who are there supporting you. So uh, that's been, uh, you know, a real special part of the job for me is to to not only uh, you know do some great things for that fan base, but to uh, get to know them so well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's cool now, especially like that loyal fan base is still here, and they've been here for years, and because of the arena and where we are now in Leicester, and you're seeing new fans and the, the success of the club that's brought over the last few years. Um, I guess talk a little bit about that that growth over, um, especially the last five or six years when you know you were there, right there in a few games before that, but Silverware starting to come in and um, the growth of the club from, from DMU over to Loughborough, so a bit of a bigger venue, um, and mm. then back into Leicester. It sort of bounced around a little bit in the last few years. Yeah, DMU, uh, listen, that was a, not the prettiest place um, to play, the John Sanford Centre. But I thought it was a, uh, an incredible uh, home court advantage. You guys had that as a fortress. It's loud yeah. in there. And... I mean, I, you know, the, the the one of the things we used to do is you, I, I'd sit on the bench when the other team was coming into the arena for the first time, and the looks on on the, <laughs> on the players from the opposing team and looking up at that roof, and you, know, you could look at it. And, and sometimes you already knew you had them before they even walked on the floor. You knew that you were going to be in a good position, and, and that place was. You know, I remember my first season. You know, we finished third, which was the highest pos- position ever for for the, for the Riders. We had some really good players. We we really lucked out on getting some really good players, and um, but we had that playoff game at at uh, Demonfer University, and that's one of the most memorable games. When Wars Bicky, we beat Sheffield, and Wars Bicky hit the. Brad Wurzbicki hit the game-winning shot, and that place was uh, was electric. It was it was awesome. Um, so when I knew that we were leaving there and going to Loughborough, I was very concerned. I was very concerned because I thought that that was part of our identity, uh, having that home court advantage and everything. But to be honest with you, when we moved to Loughborough, I thought that um, the club benefited because we picked up a lot of new fans out that way. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody that's familiar with this area, Loughborough, about 20 minutes away, 25 minutes away from where we are in the center here. But we picked up some fans out there who now uh, are supporting us well. And, and, and Loughborough University was wonderful to us. We had we trained there every day. And, you know, that, that became a home for a little while, too. And, and I was really concerned going into it, but it, but it worked out pretty well. And, and then back to the arena. But, yeah, you talk about, you know, this, the, the build-up to, to getting into finals. You know, we got to the final in 11-12. We got to the playoff final. We finished second in the league, and we lost to Newcastle in the final the year with Rundles and Hardy. And, you know, it was yeah. Drew's first year. And Absolutely. that was our first taste with getting to the final. And, um, you know, we came up short. I think we went into the fourth quarter with a lead. And, um, you know, we couldn't get the job done, and we missed a lot of free throws. And, 
you know, it was a, it was a tough day, but overall, that was really when we got the ball rolling. And then the, the next season uh, was the season, you know, with Zaire Taylor and with Cousinard and Anthony Rowe and Drew. And I don't want to leave out anybody, but you know, we were able to to really break through. But um, it, it was a long process, uh, and I think that. Um, I think the fans played a big part in it. I think our organization behind the scenes, the, the amount of hours that people put in, like yourself and, uh, you know, Russell and Kevin and Kevin Routledge's family and, you know, everybody in the Sporters Club, the amount of hours that they put in uh, to keep this club going uh, certainly, uh, you know, paid off when we when we finally broke through. Yeah, that 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 first piece of silverware, you know, I was still young to the club, but you could see when you look it up in the fans, what that meant to the fans when after the game like being around that atmosphere was, was awesome yeah i mean it's it, you know I, I i look back at those pictures and 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 you could you could see the joy there's that picture you know that game but you know i remember being at home the night before that game and i remember talking to my son lucas and and, and saying to him that if we win it i'm going to come get you and i'm going <laughs> to grab you and i'm going to run around and don't be embarrassed i'm going to do it and um, when we did win I, I grabbed them and it was it was an awesome moment for me as a coach and as a dad uh to to, to be carrying Lucas around but I say that because there is a picture in the arena yeah, uh, that our uh, good friend Vili yeah. uh, uh took and um you can focus on me and Lucas in that picture which is cool you can see how excited I am and and he's up in the air but then when you look behind it and when you walk out of the arena that picture's there when you look behind it you could really see the joy when that final buzzer went off and um, you know that was a a day I'll never forget personally but also for the club it was was a a long time at that point almost 10 years or so since the last piece of silverware yeah you can see like, those same people in the similar photos. Um, I, I actually did some digging around and looking back through the archives, and you can see those fans celebrating in the the O1 victories. And yeah, it's good to. I can name. I mean, when I look at that photo, I can name so many people in that photo. Yeah, it's it's really fun cool. to do, and I, I I I still I've seen that picture so many times, and I still to this day stop sometimes on the way out the door and um, you know and take a look at it and 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 talk about the people that I can see in the background. Yeah. So. You, <laughs> That obviously that that season you said you kind of felt it was you know broke out and yeah you know, that success helped the following year and talk about like did it you know it's obviously followed since then uh, how important was that that year of you know the treble and and getting that sort of first piece of silver in such a long time to you know the recruiting process the the fan loyalty obviously the moving around of the club in that time as well and yeah. how did how were you able to kind of manufacture that and keep it rolling over the, over the last few years. Well, I think that you know, listen, we 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 won the year before we finished second in the league, and I think that was big. Your league, you know, trophies are great and finals are great, and they're exciting. I love being in them, but um, it's the body of work throughout the season. I think that um, I'm most proud of, and um, you know, I think we won the league that year. And I think finishing at the top of the league with some some weeks to spare. Uh, really cemented us as a as an elite program, and I think that um, yeah, it, not only does it help with recruiting, um, but it also more importantly helps with the business side of it. Mm-hmm. I think that um, our team behind the scenes did a really good job of taking those wins and that success and, and turning it in, into plenty of sponsors and the support that we've had in the city after that has been awesome and I think you know listen from the beginning we've done a pretty good job of getting media coverage when I arrived but it really exploded after that and I think that um, 
uh, now wherever I go. And from then, you know, from that time on, wherever I go, people want to talk Riders basketball. And, you know, if I'm in the city, if I go to a, a Leicester City game, if I just go to High Cross, wherever you go, uh, people come up and want to talk about it. And I think that was very key for us after that to, to you know, galvanize that interest and, 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 and turn it into um, – you know, business opportunities for the club. Absolutely, it's definitely made uh, made my job a little easier on the media side with the with successes and and some great moments over the last few years. Um, you said the the business side of the club is such a, I guess, a key point to the BBL and the growth of the league in general. To have that business support, how is the relationship with the sponsors in the club? And you know, something maybe we don't fans don't see on the surface all the time. Um, yeah, what's it like from from the coach's angle on that side of things? Well, I mean, you know, you, you get to know these people pretty well. That because not only do they sponsor the club, but they they're around the games a lot, and they come. and I have an open door policy with with all our sponsors. Uh, they're they come to practice, and a lot of them love to drop by and check in. I want them to feel a part of it, and you know, I want our guys to um, you know. Uh, get to know them as well um so uh, we like to obviously get new sponsors but we also like to acquire new fans and friends and i think that that's you know club's done a great job our players have been great with that and i think that you know you come up after the game upstairs to the kevin routledge suite at the arena and you see the relationship they have with the sponsors. Uh, they they don't just come up and shake hands and go. They sit there and they talk, and they talk because they've known them so well, and that's what we want. We want people that are coming into our club, the businesses that are supporting us, to feel welcomed and to feel a part of it, and I've always wanted that, and I've encourage any of them uh fans sponsors what else to come up to us ask us questions be a part of it and it's worked out really well for us because um you know we feel like we have this group uh that is uh supportive uh but feels a a, a real big part of what we're doing here yeah absolutely and yes that that personal relationship with the players is something that you know you talk to fans and, and the sponsors is so so different i guess to some of the other professional sports in the city they get you know a bit more access to the players mm. and you know the players you know generally great people as well you know we've got some really good guys around to to hang out with and is it i guess on the on the flip side of that it's still a business of sport and there's player movement that happens and does that those personal relationships make it make it harder to when people do move on and retire and, and there are roster changes over the years oh yeah yeah i think that's uh an element uh of of our sport and in any sport that um, is always difficult because um, there's so much change all the time. Sometimes you have to make the change. Uh, sometimes people make the change for you, and you know you so much turnover uh, all the time. Um, so uh, you know you have to you have to deal with it, and that's part of it. And I think for me. You know, I played for for a long time, so uh, it was certainly something that I understood about the business for myself, uh, being let go uh, from teams in the in the past and coming into a new environment. Um, but I always say that basketball players are some of the most personable people mm. you'll find. And I Absolutely. remember playing in this league, and I'd loved all the venues that used to have. Uh, the 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 bar the meeting area after the game I thought that was always great and I always can remember you know we had one at the Aston Villa uh, Leisure Center when I played for Birmingham and you know back in those days the referees would come up after <laughs> um, the players from the other team the coaches from other team the fans from the other team and it was such a great way to get to know the person uh, you can watch. 
you know, myself out on the court and you could yell at me or whatever. And, and then after the game, you can go up and you can shake hands and you can talk and, and talk more than just about basketball, talking about life. And I really believe that our league has those type of people around it that uh, make it special. And it's been something that um, I'm so excited now that we do have this uh, Kevin Rowley suite after the game because it gives you an opportunity to talk to so many people that are around the game. Absolutely. And actually this year saw the you know the first time in a while where they had eight teams in the same place with the All-Stars event. Um, we've got everyone in the same place at that. the same time. It was pretty cool. I love it. I love it. I, I, I think when I was playing, uh, we used to do cup uh, you know, I remember we did it at the Astonville Leisure Center, I think 2000, 2001, where there was four cup games there on the same day. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And that's why going down there this year, although I think initially we were all a little concerned yeah, some about... interesting format changes. <laughs> we were a little concerned about that. Um, but like I said to a lot of people going back to that, as a coach down there for that game, it was weird. All right? Like I'm saying, it was a little weird. You're looking at buzzers and... <laughs> and all this stuff well, going, on. going on. But as a fan, it was cool. Like I sat in the crowd and, and, and it got me out of my seat on a couple occasions. It was it was pretty cool. But the coolest part about it for me was that all the fans were together. Because I know that there's a lot of fans that cheer for their team and cheer against other teams. But they're a community. And that's why these finals days are, are so cool as well. Because the, the, the basketball yeah, community um, comes together and, and is able to have a great day out. Yeah, that, that fan fan friendship almost between teams is pretty cool to see like you said especially for us we got those traveling fans and, and other teams too whenever they play here we get a lot of other fans come in and yeah I and and the other thing for me I, I played in the league for for a while and now I coach the league in a while so wherever I go you know it's interesting wherever I go now there's so many people from the opposing club fans that I've known for years and I think there's a lot of us like that have been around for a while, is that you you form these relationships uh, with the opponent's fans or the people that work. Now, they're going to cheer as hard as they can. They're going to hope you fail, and they're going to hope their team wins. But before the game and after a game, you really see that camaraderie with with the, the yeah. community around the sport. Yeah, I was around around football, soccer a little bit before basketball, and, and that, that doesn't exist the same there. You know, there's... there's that almost hatred of fans between the two and mm. you see that, that there's none of that in basketball you know they'll go at each other in games and there's some really like spirited chants but it's all even then it's very mature and very family friendly and then after the game you know they're in the bar together like you said or you know those relationships would be important. and those are the things you remember now you do remember wins and losses and you do remember like plays and play but you remember the relationships that you forge when you are in a, a position like this yeah, up absolutely. and down the country Right, so it's going back to some of the success and the and the changes that when we're talking about changes over the years. Yeah, for me, like you're a very competitive person and you, you want to win. Like, does <laughs> does the success breed that? Is there added pressure when now that you've done it, you want to get back there? And how, how's that in the summer? Is it? Do you feel that pressure? I mean, I've always been the kind of person that's going to compete. I think growing up playing sports, being around it. I mean, I was lucky enough to grow up in a neighborhood where. You had to leave the house by 7.38 in the morning and you went to the park and you played. And I think that's shaped me. Uh, the East Mountain section of Waterbury, Connecticut, um, where I lived, was just so competitive. I mean, the wiffle ball games, uh, the basketball games, whatever games we played was so competitive that you just felt awful when you lost. <laughs> and that's always been inside of me. I mean, it's 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 something that I've... I took right to... to 
to it as a player and then as a coach it's you know it's the same thing where no matter when we first came in to now you still have that kind of competitiveness that you don't want to lose and I think that's why sometimes on the game days you know it's hard to relax you know that's why I like the early games when we play like at <laughs> noon or one o'clock or two o'clock or three o'clock in college used to play early but it, it, here we usually play at night because you wait around all day and you have your, your mind races around but yeah it's changed a little bit in the sense that you know you have like let's take for example last year's team you look at last year's team and it was awesome like talented smart tough strong experienced experienced yeah. wasn't yeah yeah it was the perfect storm for all that group to come together you go into this season and you say to yourself, can you bring that kind of group back again? You know, how are you going to be able to do that? So you do look at it and you say, wow, well, we, we want to have the same kind of success. And we, but sometimes you're not able to, um, you know, create that kind of team that you get. So uh, we try to do the similar things we do each year. You know, you try to go out and find the best players for whatever budget you have and you try to bring them in. Um, but you can't get caught up in all the noise. I think that's the most important thing as a coach in sports is that there's always going to be noise. Uh, there'll be noise uh, around uh, the decisions that you make, the players that you have, what you do. But you got to, you know, trust yourself, trust your group, and you have to, um, you know, do your job and not worry about what, what, what kind of noise is around and um, try to put the best team possible and, you know, my job as the Leicester Riders basketball coach is to try to put the best group of guys together and try to win as many games as possible. And that's, there it is. And that's what I try to do. Uh, do you think that, that sort of ignoring the noise becomes harder in today's kind of social media age and you know, everyone has the ability to voice their opinion far more than ever before? Yeah, no question. I mean, it, it just as a fan of other sports, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the New York Yankees, uh, you know, and you just see it like there's always somebody's fault. It's always somebody has to go or this guy has to do it. So, yeah, it's changed so much. Even college football in America, teams are hiring guys, but then the noise is too loud. They have to pull it back. So, you know, for me, I'm not a huge social media guy. I grew up, like I said, I grew up in a different era where um, it's funny. Uh, York Williams and I always had the joke when we were on the road that um, when we were coming up, we didn't want anybody to know where we were. Um, <laughs> we didn't want to tell anybody where we were. And now, at this day and age, everybody's telling everybody's telling you where they are, what they're doing, what's going on. So I'm from a different from a different era with that. But yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a it's a strange it's a strange time you know it's it's so, definitely, definitely so many people changed. have an opinion you know people have an opinion and they're able to now put that opinion out there and then somebody could jump on that opinion and think it's true one person <laughs> could sit there and say well this is what happened and then all of a sudden you know i've had people come out to me and say oh this happened i said no that didn't happen Where did you <laughs> oh i saw it on the internet well that didn't happen so yeah Everybody, it, it, it can get a little wild and um you know that's just the way life is life changes rapidly now and um you know you just have to accept it and and go from there you see you see a change in the players coming through because of that as well in social media age and you know the internet and the technology now yes. like you're saying like, you know growing up you're out the house by eight thirty. you know you're back in when it gets dark at night and, and that's the day right? i think everybody i think i like i think players nowadays are a little different in the sense that they're always looking for an answer there's got to be an answer for everything not that they answer back that's not what i'm saying but they they grew up in an age where if you want to find out you know what's the 15th top 
selling movie of all time, you can find out in, in, in an instant. Absolutely. Whatever you want, you can find it. And I think, you know, sometimes they're a little, and I think they sleep less. Mm. And I think um, phones at night. And I think so. Social media. I think so. You know, I think that's that's a, something that you see. I think um, you know, guys don't get the amount of sleep that they, that they, they used to get because there's so many um, there's so many distractions. An interesting thing about that is that when I first started playing professionally in '95 and I went overseas, um, <laughs> and there's no such thing as a, as the as the mobile phone. Really, the internet. Um, it might have been out there for a few folks, but. For me, I didn't have it. I couldn't, you know, I had an AT&T calling card that I had to, <laughs> you know, make sure I made last to call home just to say hello. Uh, you know, you couldn't watch any TV, really. I remember being at the airport buying magazines, you know, and thinking to myself, don't read these things too fast because you're not going to have anything to do. Ration, ration them out I did. Bit. I really did. And, I, and, and nowadays when guys come over, they have access to whatever really they want. So it's totally different. It's a totally different way to go overseas now yeah. and play. Um, I remember going to places where, you know, I looked it up in an encyclopedia in a book. Like, where am I <laughs> headed? Like, let me go look at what it's like. So you didn't really know much about where you were going and, and what you were heading into. So it's a, it was a totally different time. I think as teammates, we spent a lot more time together because of that. Yeah. I can remember on every team I was on, we were – not every team, but most teams, we were all congregating together because you're bored, really. You're, you're, you're bored because there's not – there's not a lot to do, but that was a, that was certainly an adjustment for me. And I look at the guys now who are able to talk to their families or talk to their other halves whenever they want. It's it's totally different than yeah. than, than when I came. I think that makes it easy, easier, I guess, for them to play overseas. I like, think so. The world's smaller now, and hundred percent, a little bit less homesick. Hundred percent. I mean, you you can you can watch whatever you're into. You know, your downtime, you're into movies, you can watch whatever movie you want, you're into sports, you can find a way to watch all the sports. I mean, mm. you can really, you know, occupy your time that way. Um, and I think that, um, you know, you know more of what you're going into to prepare as well. Yeah. Because back then, you didn't really know. And from a recruiting side, too, for us now, you know, when you're recruiting, you know, think about in 1990, 91, 95, before that, when you recruit, you like, taking people's word for it you're on yeah, the phone going phone calls, oh, yeah, how is he he's pretty good oh he is like how is he on the pick and roll ah he's really good okay cool well now you just go into synergy and you watch every pick and roll he did in college you watch how is he uh on defense is he any good he's a tough guy okay now it's out there so there's no real place to hide um you know i can remember going home and people saying yeah i averaged 25 a game in uh mongolia last year <laughs> oh you did and you're like wow good job now if some and, and they didn't now if somebody says that you That's can a quick search. You, it's a quick search no you didn't you know what i mean so <laughs> it's changed in so many different ways and like i said that's the way life goes it, it changes rapidly but as someone now who's in their 10th season as coach and who started the overseas experience uh, in in '95, uh, you've seen uh, a lot of changes throughout that time. Yeah. You see, so for our team, I guess you still got um, a lot of guys that hang out together and spend some time together, um, despite those kind of distractions yeah. and the easy way to go sit sit in your room and just watch movies. What do you think that is because of? Is it is it a person? Is it something you encourage? Is it you know you've had leaders in in Barry and and. Tyler now as captain. Do you think they galvanized that a little no bit? No question. We've had great leadership here throughout the time my time here. And I think that, you know, we've had some great guys too. Um, from day one, one of the first signings I had, 
here um, was Latero Williams. Mm. And he was a teammate of mine in Birmingham, and I got to know him very well. And he was a great guy to have on the team from the start, where he brought everybody together. And I think from then on, we always had that. Barry was phenomenal with that, Barry Lamble. Uh, he, you know, he was around from the beginning for me, so he was a real big part of that, inviting guys over. And I think people around the club were great for that. And the Glettles, for instance. Mm. Phil, my assistant coach and treasured friend, and Chris, great friend, and their family, they were great with that too. So it's not just the players that can do that. It's people around the club and bringing them together like that, which fosters a great environment. And like you said, now, um, you know, with Tyler and having him on the team, he's great at that too. And You yeah. see some of our sponsors now as well kind of playing that role of, taking guys in and exactly especially the player sponsors exactly and that's where when we talked earlier about the sponsors feeling a part of it well they also you know they do help you out by sponsoring but they also can bring the guys together and i think you know when i look back at the the teams that i played on in any sport that i played on throughout my life i remember the ones that you spent time with off the court yeah. you remember those ones you know you remember those good times you remember the wins they're great and everything but you remember the wins with those kind of teams and we try to do our best to um uh, to create that kind of environment where where guys are um you know together and uh, enjoying not only the playing with each other but enjoying hanging out with each other nice so i guess to to change the topic slightly this for you this is you know 10th season as you said um but if you weren't coaching, if you didn't make that decision to come back after you were playing, what do you, what do you think you'd be doing? Where would you be ha. right now? Uh, wow. Um, well, I always wanted to be a broadcaster. Uh, that was something that, um, you know, I worked at, uh, you know, ESPN for a year. And uh, I always wanted to do that as a little kid. I used to want to be a baseball broadcaster. That was my goal. That was my dream. You know, I love playing sports, but... You know, people would tell you, you're five foot three, you're not playing anywhere. <laughs> um, but so that's something I want to do broadcasting or education. I really enjoy it. My college coach, Stan Spiro, who's still at school, coaching the school where I played, he's been there 30 plus years, told me from the beginning, he said, You you would make a, a pretty good teacher. And um, that's something you should look into. So I would say either broadcasting or, you know, involved in education somewhere. Nice, nice. Well, that's definitely something to pick up from a, for a future episode at some point. Yeah. Um, I right, so another couple of quick fires. You mentioned baseball, favorite sport outside of basketball? Baseball. That obvious one? Baseball family. My dad played baseball. I remember my the earliest days of sports for me, three, four, five years old, grabbed my little glove, and my dad would play three, four times a week. And he'd take me in his pick. He had, a, he had a truck at the time. He worked construction. And me and him would sit in the front of the truck. And um, and sometimes I'd sit in the back of the truck. Those, this, these are the <laughs> 70s and 80s where it was like not a big deal to have kids in the back. But we, we would go to the games. And before the games, they would take infield and outfield where they'd hit. And I'd go out in the field and I'd play. And I'd play out there. And that's where I fell in love with sports. And that's where I fell in love with being a part of a team, too, is that I can remember living and dying with every pitch and every play with my dad's teams. And so, yeah, baseball family. Um, and, you know, my brother was a player, too. So it was always uh, always my favorite sport. So growing up, favorite favorite sports person? Basketball, baseball? Ooh, it was tough. I loved Greg Nettles, who played for the Yankees. People won't know him. He was a defensive third baseman. He was a wizard in the field because I love playing defense. But basketball, Magic Johnson, by far. I... I I thought that he was 
uh, an incredible player. And I think I, I try to tell some of the guys now, uh, you know, when, when we have these discussions on who the greatest player was of all time, <laughs> I try to bring up Magic a lot because I feel like he made everybody better. And he did. When you go back and there's some mixes on YouTube that are great now, you watch. Magic, my dog was named Magic. So Magic was <laughs> Magic was my favorite player. Right, so it's actually cool now, actually, you see the, the trends to, to throw back to those those older generation of players and there's a lot more highlights coming out of them now it's funny though joe like because i'll say i'll make sometimes in practice i'll make a reference like (laughs) you know who do you think you are patrick ewing (laughs) and you know guys some guys will look at me and i'll say to them did you ever see patrick ewing play and they'll say no no i haven't so (laughs) it's funny how quickly it changes where you know these guys when you grew up were the the star that's how old you're getting and and, and (laughs) you got to be careful with who you reference uh, and I, I guess one one quick file one to finish. Um, most memorable win with the Riders so far. Ha. Um, I would say the, the 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 cup final against Newcastle for the first uh, silverware that we had won as a club. And I think that what was special about that was was beating Newcastle, um, who has been an incredible team. Yeah, absolutely. I think people take for granted a little bit of how incredible and how they continue to roll year in and year out and what they did, and for us to. To play in that game, and it came back at us at times and back and forth, and for us to to finally win that and beat them, and I think those the the, the games where we've played in finals, uh, Leicester and Newcastle, those have been the most memorable because it's just such a high level of play out on the court and winning that one and the celebrations afterwards are uh, something I'll never forget. Yeah, that rivalry is definitely. We could, I feel like we could talk for a whole hour. I love on to. That. I think I think we could. I think I think if if this was. Uh, around ESPN 30 for 30, there would be, an, there'd be a heck of a 30 for 30 on yeah. uh, the, 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 all the games that we've played against each other and how competitive and dramatic they've been. And um, I think both, I think each other raised each other's games too. Yeah, and, I, 100%. and I do look at those games between Leicester and Newcastle as really helping the league too. I do. I, I think that um, as someone that's been around the league a while, Going to those finals and watching uh, the intensity and the way those games were played and the amount of people coming to those games. You some great, some basketball. Great, basketball, great basketball. Great basketball, good crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one really knew who was going to win. Um, it wasn't like there was an overwhelming favorite or anything. Great anticipation. And I think that uh, it, it's been a benefit for us, them, but also the league. Great. Well, I think that's a, a great place to, to finish that one. We're definitely going to, we can dive back in on baseball and, and the Eagles and a, a ton of other things. And old BBL no stuff. I got some good stories. All right. We'll get back to them. But no, thanks for taking the time and we'll leave that. Thank you.